You are listening to Revolver Podcast. Want to grow your own weed but not sure where to get the seed? Go to bcbuddepot.com. For nearly 15 years, BC Bud Depot has been building one of the world's most comprehensive seed banks, offering over 50 strains of top quality cannabis to suit every grower's needs, including multiple award-winning strains like Godbud, The Perps, BC Blueberry, Girl Scout Cookies, and more. In fact, BC Bud Depot's genetics have won over 30 different cannabis awards over the past decade. So you know you're dealing with a recognized industry leader that will deliver you some of the most potent, flavorful flowers on the planet. They ship worldwide, offering fast, discreet delivery at reasonable prices. All online orders are processed within 48 hours and are packaged and mailed with the utmost stealth and safety in mind. And if for some reason your order gets lost, damaged, or confiscated, BC Bud Depot will resend it at no extra charge guaranteeing that every customer receives what they paid for. Whether you're looking for indica or sativa, indoor or outdoor, feminized or auto-flowering, BC Bud Depot has the seeds you need at a price you can handle. But don't take my word for it. Check out their extensive library of award-winning genetics for yourself at bcbuddepot.com and type in promo code BLAZIN420 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. BC Bud Depot home of cannabis champions since 2002. Please check your local state and national laws before ordering. It's time to roll up those joints, pack those bowls, and fire up those nails. Because you're listening to Blazing with Bobby Black. What's up, Blackalites, and welcome to another episode of Blazin'. I'm your host, Bobby Black. As you all undoubtedly know, I am a huge metalhead, especially when it comes to bands that would be considered classic metal. Uh, the bands that started it all, the ones that set the standard back in the 1980s, 1990s, the ones I grew up on, the ones that a lot of you probably grew up on. Bands like Metallica, Iron Maiden, Anthrax, Slayer, Judas Priest, and so many more incredible artists that have had us banging our heads for decades. You know, and some of these bands have broken up, some have gotten back together, many have had numerous lineup changes over the years, but regardless of all this, the really good bands have stood the test of time and still get our blood pumping as much today as they did those decades ago. One such band, one that has remained one of my favorites through all these years, is Testament. So I am incredibly stoked to have as my guest today, the lead singer of Testament, Mr. Chuck Billy. Chuck, how are you, man? I'm pretty good. How are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. So uh, I think the last time I saw you was back in 2009 when you guys performed at the uh, Sirius XM offices. Uh, I had a front row seat. Do uh, you remember that? Yeah, that was pretty wild. That was actually pretty unique uh, to play there. Uh, it actually, that was fun. I still got back to the recordings of that, of that performance. It was good. Yeah, yeah, it was just after uh, Formation of Damnation came out, and uh, so I got to see you guys uh, in a very cool, intimate setting, and uh, 
I ended up writing about it for my column in High Times at the time. So, yeah, it was a, definitely an, uh, an event I wouldn't forget. Yeah, it was very cool. I thought, I thought you know, often you get to go up to Cirrus like that and play in the in-house, so that was good. Yeah, and I also got to uh, chat with you a bit, uh, I think it was a couple years, a few years ago, uh, maybe it was a year ago, actually, in 2015, um, when you came out with your new vaporizer, The Chief. Yeah, yeah, it was like uh, March 2015. I came out with the first uh, herbal vaporizer, The Chief, uh, and then uh, about six months later, we came out with uh, The Chief Slim, which is actually uh, oil and, and wax. Oh, uh, cool. Vaporizer, a slim, slim wine. Wow, I haven't seen that one. That's cool. I got to check that out. So what uh, What made you want to put out a vape? Uh, you know, is that your favorite way to smoke vaping, or do you... Or do you uh... um, well, you know, when I was vaping, first got really turned on to vaping was, you know, of course, Amsterdam, but that was with the volcano, the big bags. Right. Know, so, of course, I had to buy a volcano. Um, you know, so... You know, I enjoyed vaping that way, and to have something more portable was definitely something that would be cool. And uh, when I was approached by my buddy Adam from Lord Vapor, I was totally, like, down for it, you know, especially, you know, being able to be involved with, you know, the artwork, creativity, the model of pen, you know, the whole the whole deal um, was very cool as well. And then it's uh, so far so good, you know, everybody's got positive things to say about the vaporizer and you know it's, it's so far it's been pretty good as a singer um would you say that vaping is definitely a little easier on your voice on your throat than uh than the well, all my lungs my throat it's not the throat it's, it's more of the breathing for me you know when i when i smoke you know joints I, i'm a chronic <laughs> smoker i'll you know i go through a lot so you know you get the, the heavy lung you know and that's not always the best thing for a singer um, so vaping always definitely is a lot easier on the lungs. You don't feel so like um, get that wheezing <laughs> of the of the breathing. Yeah, so, it definitely helps on the road. You know, sometimes I even get to the point where I, I don't even burn as much, or sometimes not even burn at all when I'm touring now. You know, maybe I have a hit here and there, but you know, so most of the time I don't. So you're not big on smoking uh, while you're performing or touring, but more like what, in the studio not or anymore. when you're writing? Not anymore. I did in the past, but I just noticed that, you know, especially preparing for touring, you know, I do a lot of running and trying to bike, you know, riding a bike and trying to get my lungs all built up. You know, when I, like I said, I'm a chronic smoker, so I, I get, you know, pretty clogged up. Especially <laughs> trying to sing, it just, it just wears my voice down. I just get... I can't carry the wind, I guess, as good. But when I'm not smoking, I don't seem to ever have that problem not carrying the wind. I just, you know, my voice just seems to just stay strong for the whole tour. So, so you know, I, I, I miss it. But then again, you know, I, I'm pretty focused and level-headed when I'm out on the road, you know. Yeah. So when you're back home and you're when you're writing material or recording material, is that more when you're into imbibing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this last tour, I got home. You know, I wasn't burning through Europe, and especially we we went into the studio to record. I wasn't burning, so I'd been a few months. So you know, I, I knew okay, I'm coming home off the road. First thing I did is got me a bag of herb and rolled one up, and you know, shit, it was like you know, going back to eighth grade again or something. I was all <laughs> a couple of hits, and I was high as a kite and paranoid. 
Do you tend to gravitate more towards the sativa or the indica, or do you indica, like waxes? I, 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 no, I like I like the indica. You know, I don't mind the the, the oil pens and stuff, but you know, it, I I can't just keep smoking that. I like you know the skunk taste of the indica. Yeah, that seems to be like a West Coast favorite. The West Coasters really love their cushions and their skunks out here. Yeah, that's, that's why I like it. You know, and the, the sativas and all that, I mean, it's okay. But, you know, I, I enjoy the skunk, just the flavor of it. Yeah. Is, is there a particular song that you recall uh, conceiving of or writing while you were stoned particularly, or one that stands out? Um, well, probably most of the records in the past, probably, you know. Um, I don't know what song in particular, but working down at Juan's studio, <laughs> um, you know, there's always a lot of smoking going on. Do you remember the first time you got high? Um, I can't remember the exact place, but I remember it was around the seventh grade. Um, I know all my friends were into it, and of course I had to try it because they were. I can't remember where it was though. What about what about music? Do you remember one of the first things you heard ever while you were high, like first album or first song? Well, I know like uh, me and my friends were all about getting stoned and sitting in the black lights and putting on music. There was a lot of that when we were younger, you know, when we started getting getting stoned. Um, but back then it was you know it was a lot of Pink Floyd and that kind of stuff, you know. Kind of spacey music, heavy into Pink Floyd and Black Lights and being stoned was always went together well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember when I saw you guys at Sirius. Uh, you guys were uh, doing an interview in between the songs, and uh, you had mentioned you told this story about a close call you guys had in Texas one time involving cannabis. Uh, something about your driver getting busted with weed. Do you remember that story? Um, well, I remember we got busted and. and in Texas, but I, but I remember we got actually was in New Jersey when our first time out there was actually when we, our driver got busted from the record label, picked us up from the airport and brought like some weed and actually, you know, she had a tailpipe dragging behind her car, so it was sparking, so we got pulled over because of that. Oh, man. And uh, I guess I think we had been smoking in the car and... and Earlier, she's just like, here, put this down your pants. And so she gave me the ounce. Of course, the cops you know, pulled me out of the car, no one else, and sat me down and found the herb. And, of course, you know, she she's, uh, went down and took the rap for it, so they arrested her. And, you know, we had to follow the cops and her car to the police station to bail her out or wait for her to get released. Oh. So I guess that you're pretty happy about the direction that things are going in the country as far as marijuana legalization, um, particularly in California. Uh, how do you feel about the direction that things are going uh, in California? With well, well, I think law? it's great. I mean, I just think it's it's probably, especially since uh, Colorado, I would think, you know, especially politicians and people talking about deficits should see, you know, how much income's been earned. And I believe it was over $200 million for that state, you know, which is, you know, makes everybody I guess open their eyes but in California I mean you know I got my card over a year ago and uh, you know it just blows me away how 
you know, how the, how convenient they're making it for you. You know, we have weed maps on the phone app, and, you know, you can kind of just go on there like an Uber, you know, see who's closest around you and, you know, look at their menus and have it delivered right to your front door, you know, so it's, it's a whole different world that it's feeling like, you know, driving around a car like paranoid, like, oh, shit, I've got weed in the car. Yeah. They ain't even like that anymore at all, you know, especially since you have a card now. Yeah. Do you follow the medical research uh, online at all about what's been going on? Are you aware that, uh, you know, there's been some evidence mounting that cannabis might help shrink tumors and cure cancer? Because I know as, as a cancer survivor yourself, I know you had your battle with cancer a few years back, and thankfully you were able to beat it. Um, were you aware of that back then, and are, or were you aware of it now as far as cannabis as a treatment? No, but I mean, I don't know if it's actually the proven fact yet, I guess, you know. Um, I, you know, I, I haven't read up and followed a lot of that, no. Yeah, I know the medical industry itself has not been too uh, forthcoming in their, uh, you know, uh, support of it, but there is some definite evidence mounting. I'll have to send you a couple links because there's some pretty convincing stuff out there. But uh, I just thought uh, as someone who, who has been through that, I was curious to know if you were, you know, aware of that. No, I wasn't. I did send me a link. I'd be interested. Cool. So um, I should mention that you guys have a new album out. Uh, well, maybe not so new. It came out October 28th, and it's called The Brotherhood of the Snake. Um, and that's based on a, a real historical group, right? Well, yeah, The Brotherhood of the Snake was basically a secret society formed like, over 6,000 years ago. It was actually one of the, the first secret societies you know, basically they were out like on a crusade basically uh, to kind of devalue, you know, all other religions. And their belief was basically there's a uh, god or, or king or leader, uh, alien named Anu, who basically created mankind, um, which were condemned down to the planet to mine gold and minerals. For him, uh, and uh, that kind of started us the whole vibe of where we we're kind of going writing-wise with the record. Um, and I was watching some shows also about uh, the connection between like aliens and religion, you know, and the markings and documentation of sightings of you know beings with the long arms and big heads and flying objects across the sky, and this was kind of fascinating, you know. Um, that whole aspect. Yeah, so this is your what? Your 11th studio album? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, uh, what, 30 years now? What a trip, man. It's amazing. I, I don't I still haven't figured out how, after all these years, you guys managed to actually get better <laughs> with each with each album. I mean, uh, especially after the last two, um, Formation uh, and Dark Roots of Earth were both... You know, just amazing albums, extremely well-received by fans, by critics. Um, is this record going to continue in that same, like, sonic vein as the last couple, or are you guys looking to do a little bit of a sonic departure, stylistically? Well, this one is definitely going to be... It, we got our foot on the gas pedal on this one, for sure, compared to the last record. A lot more thrash going on. This def record's definitely more intense. Um, there's a lot more aggression on it, you know? I think there's... Uh, you know, trying to create this record, uh, there was a lot of um, emotions and frustrations and in, in going into creating and recording this record. So 
think a lot of that came out onto the record, you know, and actually made everybody play their ass off. And I think everybody's what they've laid down on the record just came out awesome, you know. So, so no ballads on this one. <laughs> no ballads. No, no. I don't know. I mean, we just haven't. Uh, you know, I mean, we did. You know, last record we did something, but. You know, but if it feels right, we do it. This record, whether it wasn't, it wasn't there. And talk a little about the creative process that you guys undergo as a band, and, and how much of the lyrics or music you you were involved in writing. Um, well, a lot of this one was me and Eric. You know, Eric wrote a lot of music, and I created all the vocals and melodies. I wrote vocals with you know a couple of writing partners, Del James and uh, Steve Zetrosouza. Um, you know, so we've worked together, worked with Dell for shoot almost twenty years now, I think. So close a long time. And uh that I've been working with over the last couple of records. So, you know, Eric had we've had a lot of music for I guess, you know, a couple of years now trying to get this record written and recorded. So it's been a long process, you know, getting it done and you know, I've re- I've worked on songs a few times and rewrote them a few times and it was, it was, a, it was a, a, quite a process to get this record done. It was kind of unusual. Usually we're pretty prepared going into the studio. This this one, we didn't really do any demos or rehearse as a band going into the studio. So that was the first for us. So, you know, at the end of the day, the final result, us, I guess, going in there, having our backs against the wall, just maybe pushed everybody out of their comfort zone and we just made them you know, do the best they could and it came out great. Why was that? Why didn't you guys do a rehearsal beforehand? Well, um, the band, Alex and Steve and Gene had other things going on. Oh. And uh, we knew we had to have the record recorded and delivered by July 8th, which meant we had to finish the recording by June 15th because we were leaving for Europe. So... We had that small window of Gene for a few weeks in um, May. So we basically said, you know, we really don't have a choice. If we want a record this year, we we have to start. Here's the window. So basically we booked it, you know, told Gene. You know, Gene was busy up to that point. So he got here. Well, he had all the riffs at that point, which weren't completed songs sent to him and he listened to him and learned what he had to and got in the studio and just tracked everything you know so we got Gene's drums out of the way and then we we kind of just everybody else started laying their stuff on it over the next you know you know month to get the record done you know I gotta say uh, I've been a fan of course throughout your the band's entire career and all the various incarnations and lineups but can I just say, I'm just so glad that Alex is back in the band. <laughs> no disrespect to the other Axemen, they've all done an amazing job, but to me, he just has a quintessential Testament guitar sound in my in my mind. And yeah, from he, my totally, he totally does, you know, I mean, when you hear him and Eric, it's, for me, I, mean, I know who it is right away, and he does bring something, you know, whatever his, 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 his difference or quirkiness or whatever, it, it works what we do as a, as a group you know yeah and of course I mean it goes without saying your vocal style is unbelievably distinctive I mean the second and hear your voice we know who who are your biggest influences uh, as a vocalist when you were younger um, well I mean of course I have you know probably the top four 
or five would be, you know, Bruce Dickinson, Ronnie James Dio, Rob Halford, <laughs> people like that, you know, growing up. And, of course, once I got into this band, and, you know, of course, Hetfield was a big influence on that, you know. Yeah, and, and your vocal style has, the core of what it sounds like has remained the same, but it seems like you've definitely... Uh, grown as a vocalist and and incorporated on various albums a little bit more of a growl and a little bit less of a growl you kind of uh you know oscillate between some different things yeah i mean i just kind of feel my way through it you know <laughs> um i think that's the beauty too working with somebody as long as we have this many years and developing something without having to you know write with different people and not really developing so yeah i guess that's the beauty of working with Eric for so long you know we've developed what we do together when you guys start working on material is there in your minds is there something uh, where basically at this point in your career you have such a loyal fan base uh, do you tend to want to stay true to the fans and give them what they're looking for or do you have those moments where you're like let's just try something different or something crazy and let's let's experiment a bit only if it's experimenting and in, in what we do as far as our style. I don't think we, at this point, you know, it doesn't make any sense to try something else. I don't think fans would dig it. And, you know, we've been talking to the press. You know, people always relate to, you know, how we've stuck to our guns and what we've done. And, you know, I think that's what's got us here and kept us going. And you know, if I can continue our career, and it doesn't really make sense to... Yeah, and I think most bands have either trying to change their sound or kind of jump on bandwagons. <clears throat> Doesn't work, you know. Absolutely. Well, we need to take a quick break, but stick around. We'll be right back with more of Chuck Billy from Testament here on Blazing. Want to grow your own weed but not sure where to get the seed? Go to bcbuddepot.com. For nearly 15 years, BC Bud Depot has been building one of the world's most comprehensive seed banks, offering over 50 strains of top-quality cannabis to suit every grower's needs, including multiple award-winning strains like Godbud, The Perps, BC Blueberry, Girl Scout Cookies, and more. In fact, BC Bud Depot's genetics have won over 30 different cannabis awards over the past decade, so you know you're dealing with a recognized industry leader that will deliver you some of the most potent, flavorful flowers on the planet. They ship worldwide, offering fast, discreet delivery at reasonable prices. All online orders are processed within 48 hours and are packaged and mailed with the utmost stealth and safety in mind. And if for some reason your order gets lost, damaged, or confiscated, BC Bud Depot will resend it at no extra charge guaranteeing that every customer receives what they paid for. Whether you're looking for indica or sativa, indoor or outdoor, feminized or auto-flowering, BC Bud Depot has the seeds you need at a price you can handle. But don't take my word for it. Check out their extensive library of award-winning genetics for yourself at bcbuddepot.com and type in promo code BLAZIN420 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. BC Bud Depot home of cannabis champions since 2002. Please check your local, state, and national laws before ordering. 
All right, and we are back. My guest today is vocalist for heavy metal icons Testament, Mr. Chuck Billy. You know, I, I couldn't help but notice uh, on the track list for the new album, there's a song called Cannabisness. Um, naturally, I'm curious about it, like specifically what it what it's about and uh, what made you guys want to write that. Uh, well, of course, you know, because, uh, you know, the vape line and getting my card and, and you know, having her delivered to the house, I was just always, you know, my buddies were joking, like, you know, just, and like, what a business, you know, whoever thought cannabis would be this business, and right there, we're like, cannabis, you know, like, that's, okay, that's, there's a song there somewhere, so, you know, it was always there, so when we sat down to write it, you know, that's what we kind of went out for, was, you know, the cannabis aspect, but also just the medical um, references as well. So it ain't just about, you know, being able to get stoned. <laughs> <laughs> So, what are your tour plans for 2017? I know you're just finishing a European tour this month with Amana Marth, and then what? And then we'll take the holidays off in January, and then uh, first thing next year will be the 70,000 Tons of Metal show in, in February, and then after that, uh, you know, we're gonna, I think we're looking trying to go to J- Japan and Australia, and then maybe Indonesia. And then uh, go back and forth from Europe and America. The U.S. is starting to have some more festivals popping up here and there we want to be a part of. Uh, and then head back over to Europe for a headline tour next year, you know. But we'll get to see you here in the U.S., right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually April, May. That, that tour is already being planned out right now. Right on. If there was uh, if there was some type of uh, heavy metal cannabis uh, benefit or festival, would you guys consider playing that? Hell yeah! In a minute. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I'm uh, I'm thinking about trying to put one together in Cali, so uh, maybe uh, maybe well, you guys can get involved. There you go. Let, let let us know. Cool. If you had a look back on, uh, obviously you've toured with so many amazing artists over the years. If there was one tour that was in your mind stuck out as the most fun or the most memorable, would you would what would that one be? 
Well, we've had a bunch of great fun ones. I mean, the one that stands out to me today, just because where we were at, you know, is Alex's last tour. And Ronnie James Dio's not around anymore. But when we toured with Black Sabbath on the Dehumanizer tour across Europe, I think we did two or three weeks with them. And, you know, getting to sit with Ronnie every night after the show and and talk and have a beer and, and relax is kind of like, it was like one of those tours that, you know, moments you don't get. <laughs> you know, thinking back, it's like, you know, it was just like every night it was like the thing. We'd go back and roll one up and, and drink a nice cold beer and be like, chat for hours, a few hours, and then it was the winter time. It was cold out. Nobody wanted to go outside. They wanted to stay in. And those were those. It was a special one, you know that one. Yeah, I can see why. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. I also wanted to ask you, um, as a, as a very proud Native American, obviously you sing about it. You've talked about it uh, in the media and stuff. I'm wondering uh, what your take is on the protests going on in North Dakota right now over the Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, it seems like uh, the Native nations, particularly the Sioux, are uh, really uh, trying to stop this pipeline from going through because it's threatening the water, the land. and so- They, of course, had a big victory recently with the help of some uh, veterans, but it seems like the battle is far from over. What's your take on all of it? Well, I don't. I think they should stand up for their rights and their beliefs, and and it's obviously the truth. I mean, it, it will affect the water and the land, and it, it will affect everything. And you don't want that, you know. Nobody wants that, especially if it's their land. I mean, they they, they should stand up for that. Do you consider yourself politically active at all? I mean, obviously, in your music, you express political views and you stand, make stances on different issues. But do you, outside of the music, do you do you are you involved in any activist activity at all? Um, no, I haven't. No, just pretty mostly involved with the music. Yeah, the music, you know, and I mean, more of the community where our reservations from. You know, I get in, get, in, get involved with. You know, they throw a, a fry bread competition they have in the middle of, of town and mm. you know I, I usually participate I'm a judge and kind of like the MC of the event and you know, people come from all over the dancers and people sell jewelry and you get to try different food and it's pretty it's, you know it's a cool event that's cool we got to get you as a judge on one of these cannabis competition events for sure <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's pretty sweet I'm in it's pretty sweet <laughs> Cool. Um, one one final uh, question. Um, this past September was the 15th anniversary of 9-11, um, and you guys put out what I consider just a quintessential uh, 9-11 song, The Evil Has Landed. Um, I, yeah. Every every year when 9-11 rolls around, I can't help but sing that song in my head. It's such a powerful song, uh, and I'm just curious about... Um, you know, uh, wh- how did that song come together? What made you guys want to write it, and uh, whose idea was it? Well, it was you know me and Del James, my writing partner out in LA. Um, <clears throat> you know, when we came up with the title and what it kind of meant and envisionment of the evil has landed, and then we came up with the nine eleven thing and the, the twin towers. <clears throat> right there, it was just set up for a strong lyric it's a heavy strong story you know 
So, yeah, I mean, we just sat down. I mean, think I think just the title kind of wrote that one on its own. You know, the eagle has landed. And do you guys do you guys play that live still or not or not so much? Uh, we haven't. Um, I, I, I that's one I would love to play live. I think every time we try to rehearse it before a tour, it just doesn't feel comfortable for some reason. I don't know why, but you know, I, I would love to play that one live. Well, I hope that uh, I get to see you guys play it live sometime. It would be uh, would be pretty powerful to me as well, especially as a New Yorker. Um, I've always loved yep. that song. So thanks for thanks for writing that. I think it's a it's you know it kind of says it all. All right, man. Well, uh, I want to thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today, man. I really appreciate it. I love the new album, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys live again next spring. Just to remind everybody once again, the name of the album is Brotherhood of the Snake. It's on sale now. For tour dates and other info, you can check out the band's website, testamentlegions.com. Chuck Billy, thank you so much, man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. All right, you take care. All right, bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right, and as always, you can find links to today's guest, uh, Testament, Chuck Billy, and uh, their new album, Brotherhood of the Snake, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash blazingwithbobbyblack. While you're there, give us a like, leave us a comment, and don't forget to follow me on social media, Twitter at Bobby Black, Facebook and Instagram at bobbyblack420. I hope all of you out there have a very high and happy holiday season. And I will see you all again next year. Until then, this is Bobby Black saying, Blaze on, brothers and sisters. 